Welcome back, campers. That's Caitlin. And that's Genevieve. And we want to know what pops into your mind when you hear the word curse. Maybe you picture a magical world of witchcraft and wizardry, or have traumatic memories of a movie that you were definitely too young to watch. For me, it was The Conjuring. I was probably 20 when I saw that movie, and that was still too young. But historically, curses and the mysterious power attributed to them have been around a long dang time, basically since the start of recorded history. And there's many a reason why they've been around for so long, which we will be getting into in today's episode. But we didn't just want to talk about curses in general, because as you know, this is a podcast where we discuss people meeting their untimely demise. So along with giving you the brief history of curses, we are going to dig into one of pop culture's recent and infamous curses that you may not have heard of, which if you believe the folks who spend a whole lot of time on Reddit, has claimed the lives of at least three incredibly famous and very young breakout Hollywood stars connected to the same wildly popular television show, within a shockingly brief time span. And that, dear campers, is the Glee Curse. We also need to issue a content warning up front that this episode will contain mentions of self-harm, substance abuse disorder, and online child sex abuse material. So if that's not something you're in a place to listen to, we completely understand and feel free to skip this one. But for the rest of you, we've got a lot to talk about today. Lights out, campers. Oh man, the mountains call my number one. I'm just a life-size lottery ticket in the hand of the one. If you aren't familiar with the show's premise, Glee centers around a group of students at William McKinley High School in Lima, Ohio. Through all of the highs and lows of adolescence, with a whole lot of singing and dancing. Also, If you can think of a controversial topic surrounding high school, Glee had a storyline about it. It had a core group of characters that were part of William McKinley's Glee Club, also known as Show Choir, who were all dealing with issues like teen pregnancy, bullying, eating disorders, academic pressure, disability, football team drama, coming out, parent deaths, jealousy, crushes on teachers, romances between teachers, best friends backstabbing, Rival Glee Club shenanigans, y'all get the picture. Literally anything that's a trope of high school, Glee had it. Each main character was also a classic trope of a high schooler. It had the jock with a secret talent for show choir, the nerdy kid in a wheelchair, the mean cheerleader with deep insecurities, the closeted gay kid, the bad boy, the unsufferable, straight A's, perfectionist, etc. And in total, Glee racked in a whopping 32 Emmy nominations, and at one point, Oprah herself even interviewed the cast. The show's compilation, Albums of Songs, covers were such a hit that in 2012, the Glee cast actually collectively ranked as the 8th best-selling digital artist of all time. And that's quite an achievement. That's huge. That's weird. Yeah, you wouldn't think that a show would... They had a concert, I think. They have a movie over doing a concert. Yeah, that was like released in theaters and stuff, if I remember. Did you watch Glee as it was 
happening? Mm, no, not as it happened. I definitely watched like some episodes. Mm-hmm. And I know there was a competition show about. Yes, yes. Like I watched that show, I mm-hmm. remember. I, Glee was never a show that like I. In your rotation. Yeah. I didn't watch it until it came out like on one of those streaming services where you could binge it all at once. But I didn't watch it like as the episodes came out. Mm -hmm. But I remember seeing it advertised all the time. Mm -hmm. And it was really when I was like in middle school and high school that it was gaining popularity. Mm -hmm. And then but that was still when I was in my like you know, we don't watch secular television or listen to secular music face. So I I discovered it when I went to college and I was like, oh my God, this show is amazing. But also I feel like it was a show that people didn't admit to liking. Oh, you're right. I like, think so too. Yeah. Because I don't remember people talking about mm-hmm. it. Yeah. Because it was very like, I don't know nerdy and quirky and there was a lot of singing and dancing and it was very like high school musical yeah feeling but a lot more edgy because it's definitely not family friendly no it's not (laughs) but I really liked it though and we know this sounds like an incredibly overdone premise for a tv show But somehow Glee made it work by using these high school tropes as a basic framework for witty and original writing and believably complex characters overcoming odds to deliver us a plethora of emotional rushes and gut punches. Each season seamlessly wove spectacular singing and dance numbers into a full school year of drama at William McKinley, leading up to a show choir competition at the season finale. And before you say, aren't you just describing High School Musical? No, because we did not watch High School Musical because it was good. We watched it because of Zac Efron. (laughs) And... Like we said before, that show was definitely not family friendly and also had some pretty dark humor that did not age that well, but that because I don't care, I still find it hilarious. And I don't know if you ever saw this episode, Caitlin, but in the show, there's a coach that's kind of like the kids sort of frenemy throughout Mm -hmm. and she's uh played by jane lynch who's amazing her name is sue sylvester and she's like the super horrible like definitely emotionally and probably like physically abusive once i tell the story character best friends with the down syndrome (laughs) cheerleader yes and it's cute yes and has a sister that she is super close with that she uh takes care of who Mm -hmm. also has um, downs and so she has a very like deep squishy soft side that you just don't ever see but there is a hilarious episode where she goes on a local tv station as an interview of like they're like sue sylvester so what is your secret to like winning all these big national cheerleading competitions and she's like caning <laughs> If you've listened to any of our other episodes, Katie is basically just beating someone with like 
a bamboo cane and she then goes into this whole thing about how effective like physical abuse of high school age children is and it's horrible peewee gaskins (laughs) and people in the newsroom are looking mortified but she's like and to those of you who are naysayers i say and then she looks at the camera and she's like yes we cane gosh It's so, so bad, but man, it was funny. (laughs) And on top of all of this, Glee's director, Ryan Murphy, cast virtually unknown actors in the lead roles. And by the show's second season release in 2010, they had all rocketed to superstardom. Canadian-born actor Corey Monteith, who played football captain and unlikely show choir star Finn Hudson, and Leah Michelle, who played the ambitious and perfectionist but also insanely talented Rachel Berry, were just two of the 12 main cast members that had become household names. And fans of the show became even more invested when a love story between Corey Monteith and Leah Michelle developed, not just between their characters Finn and Rachel on the show, but in real life. Although they kept their relationship very private off screen, it was serious. And Leah Michelle has since said that as far as relationships went for her and Corey, them being together meant they were, quote, done meaning that they were both just done with either of them entertaining any life or future that didn't include one another. Some articles even speculated that the two were secretly engaged, but in the end, that wouldn't matter, because in 2013, Corey Monteith was found by a hotel employee deceased in his Vancouver hotel room from an accidental alcohol and heroin overdose. When Corey had never showed up to check out after his week-long stay, hotel staff became concerned, and around noon, several hours after his checkout time, they unlocked the door and found the 31-year-old unresponsive. Just the previous night, he had been at a business dinner, and his colleagues had commented how healthy Corey's appearance was and how well he seemed to be doing personally. Corey's death devastated and shocked the world, and goes without saying, destroyed Leah Michelle and their fellow Glee co-stars. And even though the show continued running for two more seasons after an incredibly moving tribute episode to Corey Monteith, the loss of his character's joyful presence on the show left a gaping wound that it never really recovered from. At the time of his death, Corey had just completed a month-long stint in rehab, and he had been very open with the press about his complicated relationship with drugs and alcohol, which began when he was just 12 years old. God, that's really sad. That is sad. In 2018, another Glee bombshell rocked the internet when it came out that another of its core cast members had died. 35-year-old Mark Salling had William McKinley Heiss, bad boy Noah Puckerman, who went by Puck, and eerily was also Ben Hudson's childhood best friend, played by Corey. 
On Tuesday, January 30th, Mark was found dead after completing suicide by hanging himself from a tree in a riverbed next to Los Angeles River in Sunland, California, very close to the San Gabriel Mountains, neighborhood where he lived. But as horrible as this, it doesn't end there. Mark had actually been just weeks away from sentencing after pleading guilty to possession of child sex abuse material in 2015. He had been expected to serve anywhere from four to seven years in prison after federal investigators found more than 25,000 images and 600 videos depicting child sex abuse on computers and thumb drives that belonged to Mark. That's disgusting. God, that's... 25,000? Four to seven years. Yeah. And that's not just like, oh, I accidentally clicked on the wrong thing and downloaded a virus and never looked at it. That's very intentional. 600 videos. That's heinous. Ugh. And horribly, according to the court documents, the sex abuse content they found depicted children as young as three years old. Oh my. Nope. Cut to the TikTok audio that's like, I'd like to buy a gun. Like. Not advocating for violence. (laughs) Just stating. Just commenting on a TikTok. Just commenting on a TikTok video. And we want to make sure we clarify we are using the term child sex abuse material here and not child pornography because pornography, at least ethical pornography, requires legal contractual consent from its participants. And since children are not capable of providing consent, anything involving a sex act in a child must be labeled as abuse. Mm. Obviously. Yeah. I feel like when people say child porn or child pornography it's meant to highlight the disgustingness of it because it's like oh my god child porn is wrong but the problem with that is that pornography in and of itself is increasingly becoming a more ethically like like acceptable better yeah um and to lump those things together is not possible because you literally can't yeah that's that's like saying that a child sex worker is a thing like that's no you know you can't you can't say that because it's not possible it's just abuse and it's horrible it's all horrible according to court documents at the time of his death mark had already been ordered to register as a sex offender and enter a treatment program He was also ordered to have no verbal or electronic contact with anyone under the age of 18 and required to stay 100 feet away from schools, parks, public swimming pools, youth centers, playgrounds, and arcades. And was going to have to pay $50,000 in restitution to each victim. Mark's arrest for such a horrible crime and his following shocking death was an additional terrible blow to the close-knit Glee cast and the world of fans who had resonated so closely with Puck's character. God. I can't... I can't even imagine. And I remember when this information came out Mm -hmm. and feeling, even though it's not even comparable, but feeling almost like violated myself 
as somebody that had been so closely watching the show and it was one of those shows for a long time that was one of my comfort shows like I've seen the first four seasons multiple times and so to then try to think like I enjoyed and cared about this person as their character but also then like subliminally as a human being as that actor to then wrap your mind around that they had this secret darkness that they were not making known to the world Mm -hmm. like how disgusting I felt finding that out I can't even come like wrap my mind around what it must have been like for people that knew him intimately like whether it was partners or friends I can't imagine that yeah and I mean and now as a mom oh my god yeah I'm there's no words yeah and one of the cast members that played someone that was in that like core 12 group she had tweeted shortly after the information about his death and the charges came out basically asking people to be kind because she was like regardless of what he did he had people in his life that loved him and knew him as this type of person when and had no idea of all of these other things so basically like please be respectful of that but she got blasted for people just being like 25,000 images and 600 videos like have your feelings Mm. but you he has basically lost the privilege of having people speak on his behalf defending his character once that information has come out you don't get to put him on any kind of pedestal as well this is who we knew him as so let's try to keep that in mind who he really was yeah is who he really was yeah that's uh yeah and she did apologize like very sincerely later but i I understand on one very very small hand but yeah no yeah i think it also comes out of a place of wanting to separate the person that you knew from who they really were you just can't do that because you want to live in a fantasy where you yourself are not in such close proximity with that type of evil Because there are so many photos and videos of them all, you know, like, they were very close friends. So they're all, like, laying on a bed together, like, cuddling, you know, being, you know, partying, like, all of that stuff. And with their arms around each other. And then, uh, it's, yeah. Yeah. And, yeah, that was, I think one of the most horrible things we could have found out and it really cast a shadow over the whole show in general I mean since I found that out I haven't wanted to watch it again because that's all I think about because he's in like 90% of the show so yeah no yeah the third and final member in the series of glee deaths 
would tragically be 33-year-old actress and mom Naya Rivera, who played cheerleader Santana Lopez, and whose character actually had intimate storylines throughout the show with both Corey Monteith's character, Finn Hudson, and Mark Salling's character, Puck. She actually takes Finn Hudson's virginity, her character does in the show, (laughs) which is kind of a funny scene, but then, (laughs) and yes, I know, virginity is not a real thing, but that's just what the show said. (laughs) Things didn't age well, but then she kind of has like a love story story storyline with Mark Salling's character, and she herself is like an absolute badass, incredible dancer, singer, Mm -hmm. just in a lot of ways, she's one of those people that really carries the show, even though she's not like a main, main character. Her talent just radiates in every scene that she's in. And yeah, she was really a force. On July 8th, 2020, Naya's four-year-old son, Josie, was found alone and sleeping in a small pontoon boat drifting on Lake Peru in California. Josie was wearing a life vest and was unharmed, but Naya was nowhere to be found. Five days later, and bizarrely seven years to the day from when Corey Monteith's body was found in his hotel room, a body surfaced in a 30-foot deep area of the lake and was positively ID'd as belonging to Naya. Horribly, the Ventura County Sheriff's Office said Naya's body was most likely trapped in thick vegetation underwater for several days before floating to the top. A detailed autopsy concluded that there had been no foul play and no indication that it had been an attempt to complete suicide. Naya and Josie had been on the lake alone, and there's actually CCTV footage of the pontoon rental parking lot of them walking out of the car, getting their cooler, getting the little backpacks on, and them holding hands and walking together towards the lake. And that is just... Heartbreaking. uh, It is heartbreaking. Naya was found to have had very mild levels of an over-the-counter antihistamine that she had reportedly been using for a sinus infection and an appetite-suppressant drug in her system, um, which I'll also say is bogus because she was... She had... Nobody has any business taking an appetite-suppressant drug, but she was in amazing physical shape. And that's... Yeah. Anyways, that's another conversation for another time. No other drugs or alcohol were found in her system, and the very mild amount of drugs that she did have in her system were certainly nothing that would have impaired her judgment. The official autopsy report ruled her death as an accidental drowning, and Naya was a strong swimmer in excellent physical shape, so that didn't make any sense to anyone who knew her. So, what possibly could have happened? Well, in months following her death, Naya's ex-husband and the father and guardian of their son Josie actually filed a wrongful death lawsuit 
against Ventura County and managers of Lake Peru. The lawsuit alleges negligence was involved due to the pontoon boat that Naya rented to take Josie and herself out on the lake. Did not have a safely accessible ladder, a radio, rope, anchor, or other equipment to keep swimmers from being separated from the boat. The suit claimed that the boat also didn't have a life preserver or other flotation devices. However, the man who rented Revere the pontoon boat said that Naya had actually declined a life vest for herself when she rented the boat but that he still put one on board anyway. The suit also claimed that this bit of information we think possesses the most likely scenario of what could have happened, that there were no signs in the area warning boaters and swimmers of the lake's strong currents, low visibility, high winds, and other dangers, even though at least 26 people have drowned there since the lake opened in 1959. And I would say other dangers that would probably be all of that, like, tangly vegetation. vegetation. Ugh, that's so scary. According to the Sioux, while Naya and Josie were swimming, the boat apparently started to be carried away, likely by the current and wind, which had gusted up to 21 miles per hour that afternoon. And when this happened, Naya would have done everything she could to get herself and Josie back safely onto the boat. Reports conflict that about how Josie actually managed to get back onto the boat. Some say that Naya boosted him back on board, and others say that he managed to get aboard himself. Tragically, the suit also claims that Joey heard his mom cry out for help as she struggled to get back on the boat, and then disappeared. Oh my god. That's sad. Oh, that baby. Naya loved Josie deeply, and regardless of what happened, everyone who knew her was confident that her actions that day in the water would have been entirely focused on getting her son to safety. The day before her death, she even tweeted a photo of her and Josie that read, Just the two of us. And in her memoir, she called Josie, My greatest success, and I will never do any better with than him. Now, drowning deaths, while tragic, are unfortunately not that uncommon, and Lake Peru itself has reportedly seen 26 drownings since it opened in 1959 to the public. God. Ugh. As a mother of a almost four-year-old, no. that one hits bad. I can't imagine. Yeah. And why would you... I mean, I know there have been plenty of times when I've been out on a boat like that and I've been like, I don't need a life vest. Oh, I Those things like burn under your armpits and are uncomfortable and you're like, I'm fine. Like Tan I, lines. Yeah. You're probably like, I feel like I'm going to drown if I do have one on because they like bunch up around mm-hmm. your neck and stuff. That, ugh, it's awful. Almost as soon as news emerged of Naya Rivera's tragic drowning, Speculation of the Glee curse began bouncing around on Twitter and Reddit, with people attributing the shocking circumstances of two of Glee stars to a supernatural final destination type doom. Understandably, fellow cast and family members of Corey, Mark, and Naya found all of this to be wildly offensive sensationalism and called all of the speculation of a curse, and even the Discovery Plus documentary that was done called The Price of Glee, which mostly just gossiped about drama between cast members, as, quote, exploitative 
trash. So what exactly is a curse? As best as history has come to define it, a curse, also called an imprecation, malediction, execration, malision, anathema, or combination. I have never referred to a curse as any of those things. <laughs> and they didn't even include the word. Those words. Yeah. I, an incantation didn't even make it in there, but I guess that's not technically a curse. Is any expressed wish that some form of adversity or misfortune will befall or attach to one or more persons, a place or an object. In particular, curse may refer to such a wish or pronouncement made effective by a supernatural or spiritual power, such as a god, a spirit, or a natural force, or else as a kind of spell by magic, which is usually black magic or witchcraft. In the latter sense, a curse can also be called a hex or a jinx. And in many belief systems, the curse itself or the accompanying ritual is considered to have some causative force in the result. So like, you sacrifice a chicken, you cause a curse to be put on whoever you're doing the incantation on. Mm. To reverse or eliminate a curse is sometimes called removal or breaking, as the spell has to be dispelled and often requires elaborate rituals or prayers. So basically, in order for a curse to take effect, it has to be intentionally administered, either by a spiritual entity with supernatural powers, or a human practicing dark witchcraft. And historically, Every major religion and genre of cultural folklore that embraces the existence of the supernatural has had its own form of curses, so they're really nothing new. But for whatever reason, the dark romance that surrounds them and their ability to be connected to literally anything that can't be explained has consistently made curses a surefire way to sell news whenever they could be tied to a series of bizarre or unexplainable deaths. By far, one of the most pop-culturally influential curses from the olden times that drove the West's obsession with supernatural explanations of the unexplainable was the curse of the pharaohs that supposedly haunted the archaeologists who excavated the tomb a pharaoh took Sorry, I gave you this really hard word to pronounce. I used to think it was Tutankhamun, but that apparently is not correct. And it is Tutankhamun, according to several little clips I watched. But you can also say King Tut because that's that's what everything, (laughs) all the books I read as a child said King Tut. For a reason. And that's probably problematic. Y'all could come at us, but we cannot say Tutankhamun. A hundred times or we'll never get through this story. So King Tut it, King Tut from here on out. In 1922, when the tomb was cracked open and plundered, it was believed that whomever disturbed the tomb had violated a protection incantation placed on it by ancient Egyptian priests. For those who need this to be true, it was 
quote-unquote, proved by a string of bizarre deaths beginning with Lord Carnarvon, who had financed the excavation and was bitten by a mosquito around the time of the tomb's opening, then a day or so later slashed the bite accidentally while shaving. Ugh. The bite then became horribly infected and resulted in the Lord's death by blood poisoning. Just two weeks before he died, English novelist Marie Corelli wrote an imaginative letter that was published in the New York World magazine, in which she quoted an obscure book that confidently asserted that, quote-unquote, dire punishment would follow any intrusion into a sealed tomb. Listen. I don't think we were meant to be messing around. I don't think we should mess with the dead. <laughs> yeah. So whatever like I believe body. about the air quotes glee curse, there's something about fucking around in those tombs that do not need to be fucked with. <laughs> he probably let out like a hundred year old skeeter that <laughs> that's what really did it. Not that had just infection. been soaking up radiation for Ugh. thousands of years and never died. Ugh. Understandably, due to the recent groundbreaking excavation of the tomb, a media frenzy followed, with reports that a curse had actually been found written somewhere in hieroglyphics in the king's tomb, though this was later proven to be untrue. The death of Lord Carnarvon, just six weeks after the opening of King Tut's tomb, resulted in the explosion of cursed stories in the press, with incredibly famous people jumping on the bandwagon such as Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, goodness gracious, the creator of Sherlock Holmes himself. I can't say that I would have guessed that name. No, because he wrote detective stories and was very obsessed with facts and truth. But he surprisingly was also very openly a spiritualist and was into all of that stuff also. So, yeah. It's interesting. Who would have known? And publicly suggested that Lord Carnarvon's death had been caused by quote unquote elementals created by King Tut's priests to guard the royal tomb. Apparently, it also reported that just six weeks before the Lord's death, a colleague had watched the Earl laughing and joking as he entered the King's tomb and said to a nearby news reporter, quote, I gave him six weeks to live. Unquote. <laughs> okay, asshole. <laughs> I didn't include all of the other deaths attributed to this curse because that would be a whole episode in and of itself. But there was a lot and enough to the point where it makes sense why a hundred years later people consider it to be like a true curse. And whether or not it was actually supernaturally attributed or not, I, I don't know. There was something wonky about that place that yeah whether it had some sort of psychological effect on people i mean who knows so of course all of this attention surrounding the excavation of the tomb only further fueled the media and the public's interest in curses almost exactly 100 years later that interest has gone nowhere Name one supernaturally themed horror movie that doesn't have some sort of curse either attached to a haunted object, (laughs) hello Annabelle, or has a curse on a place, 
or a person or land where something horrible happened. And it always relies on an evil supernatural force as its source of power. To put it bluntly, we love a curse. So why is it so icky to speculate about the trio of deaths associated with the show Glee or any other film and television sets or movie stars who have been called, air quotes, cursed in general? Surprisingly, a reporter from Entertainment Weekly named James Hibbard wrote an incredibly insightful and thought-provoking piece on just this topic, literally titled, quote, No, Glee is not cursed. Please stop saying that. Quote. Hubbard writes, This time, let's stop the cruel talk quickly. Glee is not cursed. The former Fox musical isn't under a supernatural spell that dooms its cast to an early demise. There is no final destination-like mechanization at play that stalks its actors one by one to succumb to various tragic fates. On Wednesday night and into Thursday, glee-cursed chatter was all over social media and in a few media publications due to the disappearance of actress Naya Rivera, who played cheerleader Santana Lopez on the series. Rivera vanishing at a Southern California lake is being dubbed a tragic accident by the Ventura County Sheriff's Office. Previously, actor Mark Siling, who played Puck, committed suicide in 2018. And actor Corey Monteith, who played Finn Hudson, died from a drug overdose in 2013. Quote, The Glee Curse declared a UK Daily Mail headline, This Glee Curse is Real, exclaimed trailblazing celebrity news blogger Perez Hilton. The sentiment was likewise echoed on social media by several other blue checkmark professionals. While the Mercury News tried to have its curse cake and eat it too with the headline, A Glee Curse? Fans reject the idea, but the show has been haunted by tragedies, which is a bit like saying there is no curse, except there might be a curse. Hubbard continues on saying, This isn't meant to scold. It's perfectly natural, particularly for those of us in the media, to look for wider meaning and tragedy. Humans search for patterns and narratives when faced with the terrifying randomness of fate and the heartbreak of loss. But let's remember that Glee had a sprawling cast. According to IMDb, more than 1,000 named actors appeared on the show in non-background roles over the course of its six seasons on Fox. This misfortune would befall some of them over the last 11 years isn't due to a divine or demonic intervention, but math combined with happenstance. Also, just in general, it's not weird for one show to have a cluster of tragedies. It would be weird if there weren't any shows that had a cluster of tragedies. Mm, that's a very good sense. way of looking at it, yeah. The point might strike some of as irrelevant. Who cares if Glee is called a curse show? It matters because it's disrespectful to those who have perished and to their loved ones. A way of suggesting that some higher power wanted them to die. It also removes the rather important element of free will. Monteith had a history of substance abuse, and Salling killed himself while facing a potential four to seven year prison sentence. 
In addition, saying Glee's curse suggests that the rest of the show's cast is doomed as well. Unquote. Oh, that's also very problematic is implying that oh who's gonna be next like it's that uh, that's so disturbing and something else that I thought of as I was writing this that he doesn't touch on so much in this article is that for he does say like curses are a way of suggesting that some higher power wanted them to die but also along with curses, there is this automatic implication that somebody has done something evil because curses a lot of times are meant as a punishment for like, you took something that wasn't yours. You committed some sort of heinous act and then your generations of your family were cursed and you're paying the price for that. And so it automatically implies that that person brought it upon themselves in some way by doing something evil and having a substance abuse disorder that does not make you evil that's i would say there's just one person that there's yeah and we know who that person is that and that situation is so different each individual situation is so different that trying to lump them under the umbrella of a curse is very very problematic because it erases examining each instance and looking to see what could have been done differently and how to prevent similar things from happening in the future whereas if it had been like oh they all um just had they all turned blue and died you know you know like something right. crazy like that and it was something specific something specific that was exactly the same but it's so so different it's all it's all just like circumstantial yeah yeah exactly exactly james hubbard goes on to say that the idea of a hit title being cursed isn't unique to glee Curse rumors have been attached to other projects over the years, particularly, like we said before, horror films. The best known is Steven Spielberg's iconic 1982 film Poltergeist, which was widely dubbed Cursed after the deaths of two young cast members, Heather O'Rourke, who died in 1988 of a medical issue, and Dominique Dunn, who died after being strangled by her ex-boyfriend in 1982. Another popular curse rumor was the Superman curse. Given that actor George Reeves, who starred in the 1950s TV series, was killed by a gunshot wound, and four-time big-screen Superman Christopher Reeves was paralyzed in a horse-riding accident in 1995, and later died in 2004. And that might sound eerie, until you run down all of the actors who have played Superman, who are still around. Gerard Christopher, John Hames Newton, Henry Cavill. Who is perfectly fine. Mm-hmm. Yep, we don't want any curses to befall on his beautiful head. Brandon Ruth, Tom Welling, Tyler Hoechlin, Dean Cain, Matt Bomer, and in voiceover, many others. Ultimately, the curse label is a protective reflex, but one best abandoned 
Calling a show cursed is a band-aid to cover grief, albeit an understandable one. To quote Brittany Pierce, sad songs make me really sad, and I don't want to be sad. So, there you have it. Caitlin, do you think Glee is cursed? No. No. (laughs) Do we think the Egyptian tomb was cursed? Yes. 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 100%. Do we also think that, I think it's fair to say that famous people, especially like writers and people who Mm -hmm. are like pop cultural influencers, when they hype up things like curses it trickles into everything else i think there's a curse in hollywood like Mm. i like that's where i would believe Mm. that like the glee curse is real in the sense of like just people who have fame succumb Mm. to like and granted it's it's not a curse because all it is is just people in limelight like Matthew Perry just died. We mm. only know he just died because he's famous. Yeah. Like he could have yeah. just been a normal person. Right. But it's these actors and they all like they have weird deaths sometimes. So mm-hmm. it's just like Yeah. I don't know. But yeah, King Tut definitely yeah. cursed. And a lot of them tend to be tragic or untimely deaths, but I was listening to an episode of I know anybody who's really into true crime podcast listens to morbid and they recently had someone that they interviewed who is a professional exorcist Mm -hmm. um, and actually works very closely with a lot of very famous people in Hollywood and she has for well over a decade and she explained she has a book and we'll link it in the show notes because I want to go read this book but she explained the supernatural world in a very interesting way which Mm -hmm. was basically in concepts of energy and how human beings you know as spiritual if you believe there is a supernatural world that we are really just like balls of spiritual energy and that big influential organizations isn't the right word like systems like Hollywood Mm -hmm. like places where there's historically a lot of people doing shitty things Mm -hmm. like being crooked being abusive exploiting other people being obsessed with fame and power and influence Mm -hmm. there's a lot of dark spiritual energy that attaches to entire groups of people and it's very that is a completely separate thing from a curse because of all of the reasons we just broke down and she explains it much much better because a curse is a very simplistic way of looking at it but that times throughout history where there are waves of darkness and death and unexplained tragedy it almost always has to do with a situation where all eyes are on this particular industry or this particular event and there's a lot of energy spiritual energy being like 
zoned in on it from Mm -hmm. whether it's people who are in it or people on the outside looking in and kind of obsessing over it and dark spiritual forces Mm -hmm. derive their strength from sources of like human energy that are pouring their own energy into those that makes systems sense. especially if the things that people are obsessing over or focusing on are like corrupted right. and I it's mean, that makes sense. it makes sense and so that again like is completely different from oh this doll is cursed oh right. i'm cur- i curse your mother and your grandmother and <laughs> your children's children but dark energy and i just like certain places or people having a darkness i believe that follows them absolutely i believe in and i know we both have walked into places where Mm -hmm. you're just like oh mm -mm. or been around a person where there was something that was like oh that's i'm not saying that I don't necessarily believe that that was what was happening in those cases, but just what you're saying about Hollywood having that dark energy and kind of them being thrust into that world like they were is, I mean. And not to say, I mean, Corey, if he started his drug and alcohol abuse at 12. Yeah. Who's to say where his road would have ended up with oh my gosh. Hollywood? And yeah. Who's to say where? Um, I don't even remember his name because I don't want to. Mark. Mark Salling. Yeah, yeah. Like who's to who's to know where he yeah. would have ended up, and who's yeah. to know where Niall would have ended mm-hmm. up? Like yeah, that was just an untimely yeah. death, and you don't know. Ugh. You just don't know. Well, you think about to like the fame of those people. When you have fame, you have access. And when you have access in an industry that sugarcoats and sweeps dark shit under the rug, Mm -hmm. like substance abuse, like child sex abuse material, then you are that much more likely, I think, to engage with those dark parts of yourself because you have so much access. People are just throwing stuff at you and yeah so i there's so many factors at play and it's very complicated but it's It's an interesting thing to just think about like i liked this episode because it was just it's a thinking one yeah yeah it really is and there's no doubt that that show did very good things for Mm -hmm people watching it that maybe were that the closeted gay kid or the the kid that had the talent that they were hiding and Mm -hmm. felt like they couldn't be themselves but the things that have happened with the real life actors also have paved the way for bigger conversations of please like get help please if you see some if you see something tell somebody like that's just please don't yeah. do what leah mitchell did to her face 
uh, oh, the the plastic surgery. Yeah, the buccal fat or whatever oh, thing that she did. Oh, I don't. Oh, okay. I know what you're talking about. <laughs> don't do it, guys. It's not cute. There has been the last thing we'll say, and then we'll close up about the curse because I know we've done a lot of talking, but I knew we were going to because it's just kind of what you have to do talking about curses. But another reason why I don't think Glee is cursed is because if you want to get into it, all of the drama and the negativity and the like shittiness that I have saw a ton of articles and tweets about was people complaining about Leah Michelle and how oh. she was very toxic and a bully mm-hmm. and like and I'm just parroting what I saw on right and these are act quotes from cast members saying that she caused a lot of drama by just being kind of like a um what's her face from Mean Girls Regina being a Regina George and she has since apologized and like you know all of that stuff but if there was some sort of curse it doesn't make sense that nothing it's not, god forgive me but like nothing bad happened to her to her physically i mean she lost somebody that she loved that is horrible but like I don't know. Yeah, but then you, you start know what thinking, I'm saying. Like, why not? Yeah. Something happened. To, like... Right. Right. Like, why would somebody actively want to harm anyone on that show? Like, maybe somebody would have wanted to hex her so she would, like, you know, trip and break a tooth or right. something. <laughs> but no, it backfired. And hit Give her a else. shit pie or something, but not the... Yeah. So it it just doesn't make sense. Once you start actually pushing into it in any right. degree, then thinking yeah. about it, it just yeah, it's just a shitty circumstance. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I am more interested in things that might actually be cursed, like, like the cut? tomb, like <laughs> yes. That is interesting to me. Yeah, so maybe we'll have to do an episode at a later time where we, like, really get into all of that stuff. Um, But until then, let us know what you guys think about curses. Let us know what you think about the Glee curse, Mm -hmm. King Tut's curse, Mm -hmm. any curse. If you have yourself been the victim of one or administered one, please don't do that unless (laughs) as somebody who harmed your child, in which case go right ahead. We condone. <laughs> we are child or pets. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. And like we always say, please send us an email with any of the stuff we mentioned before to campingiscanceled at gmail.com. Follow us on Instagram and TikTok at campingiscanceled. If you would like to support us on Patreon, you can find us at patreon.com slash camping is canceled also we know we have been off the grid for a few weeks um hopefully we'll be back in your feed more regularly but you know sometimes life stuff and family stuff happens so caitlin gets sick yes (laughs) caitlin gets sick we'll be back (laughs) we'll be back (laughs) 
But we love you guys. We are not going anywhere. We just had to take a step back for a minute. And yeah, because sometimes that just how life be. It's how it is. Yep. And that truck's going to send us off. Yes. (laughs) Okay, guys. Stay safe, everyone. (laughs) Bye. Bye.